What if everything came with a free Star Wars audiobook from Audible? Like at the cantina. I'll take a half-calf spotchka. Lightweight. Here's your free audiobook download for Master and Apprentice from Audible. Or getting your pod racer serviced. My pod racer needs upgrades to the coupling and stabilizer. And here's your free audiobook download for Resistance Reborn from Audible. Life in the galaxy doesn't work that way, but there is one place you can go where you can get a free Star Wars audiobook from Audible. And that's utini.com slash audible. Click the Audible logo and start your 30-day free trial, which includes a free audiobook download. So visit utini.com slash audible and get your free Star Wars audiobook download today. Welcome to the Living Force Podcast. We will not condone a course of action that will lead us to war. A Utini production. Thank you, Ambassador. From my places with my people. Bonus episode, interview with E.K. Johnston. Either choice presents great danger. On this episode, a conversation with E.K. Johnston, author of the new Star Wars novel, Queen's Peril. We are brave, Your Highness. And now, here is your host, Eric Eilerson. Hey, everyone. Welcome to a very special... Special edition of The Living Force. I'm your host, Eric Eilerson, and I have traded Dr. Corey and Dr. Charles away in favor of the one and only author of Ahsoka, Queen's Shadow, and today, Queen's Peril, E.K. Johnston. Welcome to the show. Hello. Hi. Oh my gosh, I'm sure all of you listeners are already at least halfway through Queen's Peril at the time of listening to this show as it did come out today. Um, and Kate was lucky enough, or nice enough, we're lucky enough, for her to come on the show and answer some questions about Padme. Uh, so, to start right off, I want to ask, what was it like for you when you found out you were going to be writing another Padme book? Walk us through that. Um, it was pretty exciting. Um, <laughs> I this the, the plot of Queen's Peril was actually the book that I pitched to Lucasfilm like way back when I was like, hey, oh. notice me to Lucasfilm. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then they were like, do you want to write Ahsoka? And I was like, yes. And Absolutely. then they were like, do you want to write a Padme book? And I was like, yes. And then <laughs> they were like, do you want to write the Padme book that you proposed in the first place? And I was like, I do actually. So <laughs> um, it, it was kind of like an escalation. But mm. uh, this is this is the book I, I, it's, I mean, more or less. There's obviously yeah. some fairly big changes because there's been a few new movies since then. But um, a couple. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we had uh, this sort of like, this kind of like dream project, I suppose. Uh, for lack of a better word, sure. um, that I had been thinking about and then all the way through Queen's Shadow um, was leaving myself space for, just in case, um, and then got to write eventually. So it was it was pretty fantastic. God, I, I, I love that escalation, like coming back to the beginning at the end. That's kind of fun. Uh, now, speaking of Queen's Shadow, in that, in that book, we're going to start there, then we'll go into the newer one. Um, you did a really incredible job of making Padme a, a powerful protagonist without, like, resorting to assigning her all these traditionally masculine characteristics. Uh, her fashion was part of her power, just like her blaster. And Queen's Peril really reinforces those qualities with a lot of the handmaidens and some really crucial high-stakes scenes. Um, can you expand on if that was your intentional goal? And why is that important to you personally as a storyteller? Um, it was definitely very intentional on my part. Um, I have written now several different heroines, um, in various different books. And the one who gets the most criticism um, is the one who does magic by embroidery and weaving. Because uh-huh. <laughs> she doesn't, like, she doesn't ever punch anybody. 
Right. It's not like, cool she, to embroider, she, but yeah. She, the thing that she embroiders pulls a gigantic bird down out of the sky to like attack the the, the bad guy. But like <laughs> she's kind of passive. And to me, like I did it on purpose. I was like, mm-hmm. there's there's two ways to overthrow a government. You can light the building on fire or you can be the termite. And yeah. this this character is the termite. I love writing the termite characters because they get all of these like sort of interesting ways in. And Padme functions more on the termite side mm-hmm. in Queen's Shadow. She she can't just sort of swan in and do stuff anymore. Like she has to become part of the machine. Right. And so I wanted to give her um, as much sort of, as many tools to work with as I could. And because frequently um, we sort of disparage the feminine, mm-hmm. uh, I wanted to have everything that you know, we've ever made fun of a teenage girl for doing, I wanted them to use it. Um, yeah. So the makeup, the, the wardrobe, um, in Queen's Peril, they go to a boy band concert. Yes. Uh, oh, it's such like, a good scene. I love it. Like, and I just, just to remind girls that like the power of them loving stuff mm-hmm. is not insignificant. Like, yeah. That's why we have the Beatles. Like that's why the Beatles are the Beatles. Right. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. So I think um, it was a very deliberate choice on my part to do it. I wanted to leave enough space though for girls who just or and everyone basically who just mm-hmm. want something pretty. Like yeah. I have this fan yeah. which can kill you at fourteen paces, but I also just <laughs> like it. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. So like I wanted yeah. to sort of have that duality. And Padme is already such a great character for having moving parts and multiple perspectives on her that it just seemed to make sense that she could have these beautiful pieces that are beautiful just for the sake of being beautiful, but also bulletproof. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and, and on that, in Queen's Peril, you really kind of take a lot of those characteristics of the other handmaidens, um, like Yane and Sabe and Rabe, and, and really root their power in the art they do before they get into Padme's service. Um, yeah. So, so what was it? What was it about that art that drew you to them specifically? They're like, you know, we have the music and the weaving, especially it plays such a big part later on in the book. No spoilers here. Uh, <laughs> but like, what was it about their individual artistic pursuits that drew you to them? Um, it kind of came the other way around. So um, because I had to introduce five characters and make them different from each other, mm-hmm. um, all at the same time, right. I <laughs> wanted to make them I wanted to make sure they all had a function in the story first Mm -hmm. so I literally wrote down all their names and then I wrote down what I needed them to do those became the five parts of the book um Uh but basically plus plus Padme so the way that I usually describe it is Padme looks at say a dress Padme looks at a dress and is like how am I going to wear this Mm -hmm. Sabe looks at the dress and says how am I going to duplicate this Rabe looks at the dress and thinks, what are we giving away and what can we get back with this dress? Sasha looks at the dress and thinks about, like, what other people will see when they look at her. Mm-hmm. Irte is the engineer, so she makes them work physically. Mm-hmm. And Yane is the maker, so she's the one who actually has to make the dress. So I have those six pieces, and then their character really kind of grew up around that. Wow. 
I love that. And and it's so evident as they go through how each of them can fit into different parts of the story. And I think Queen's Peril is really is really great at accentuating each of their own individual strengths uh, throughout the narrative. I love that. Uh, Go back to Queen's uh, Shadow for a second. You accented the line. uh, Well, really, in both books, the we are brave, your highness has been such a rallying cry um, through the whole fandom of Star Wars and through both of these books uh, and all the press cycles, what what led you to deciding to take a seemingly throwaway line from Phantom Menace and turn it into such a center point for the whole relationship really Handmaid and her handmaidens? I I love that line so much. And there's so many cool things about it. Padme is standing behind Sabe when she says it. Mm-hmm. So Sabe is looking sideways, but she can't actually see Padme because the headdress is in the way. Right. Um, so like we can see a very nice profile of Kira Knightley, but Kira Knightley can't actually <laughs> see anything. Right. Um, and in front of everyone, without giving the game away, Padme has to make a decision. And she chooses her words very carefully so that they will sort of be this code that they've developed and, um, and all that kind of stuff. But it's, it's the message that has to get to Sabe, and literally everyone is watching. Um, like, uh, the only person at that point, besides the handmaidens, who knows is Panaka, right? Like, everybody else, everybody else, well, Qui-Gon probably knows too, but, like, the rest of, the rest, the rest of them don't know. So it's, like, this, this idea that um, Padme gets the message across and has this, like, way of communicating um, with the handmaidens that people don't even realize they're communicating, which will also be important in the back half of Queen's Peril mm-hmm. uh, when Sasha has to get a message out. So the, um, the, just the idea that like everything that in the, in the Phantom Menace, when people go through um, and sort of just be like, oh, that was a strange acting choice with like the voice or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I always want to be like, no, that was like a really deliberate character choice. Like they're, yeah, yeah. they're constructing a different character here. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I like to, as a fan, I've always kind of given, um, given additional weight to those scenes. And the other one that's kind of a joke is uh, when Sabe posing as the queen asks Padme to clean up R2-D2. Yeah. And it's totally, it's totally a make work project, but it gets Padme, <laughs> it gets Padme into her line of sight. So Padme goes around and is standing at the back. So Sabe can see her, nobody else can, and they can get cues from each other. And, and I gotta say, like all, all that stuff is so great because I have found myself since I've, I've read Queen Shadow a t- couple times, I'm almost through my second read of Queen's Peril. Now when I, when I watch Phantom Menace, like those are the scenes that do stick out. You're completely right. Because, like, some of the expanded universe is really great at adding some character moments and some thoughts, but I feel like these two books actively change and enhance the scenes in the film, which is so unique. Uh, and, you know, let's, let's, let's keep talking about Phantom Menace and the greatness that it is, because Queen's Peril, uh, as opposed to Queen's Shadow, takes us back to the time just before and during Phantom Menace. Now, anyone that follows you online knows you are an outspoken lover of episode one. And <laughs> this, this book is full of so many additional elements and, and characters from that movie. There's like a ridiculous amount of characters in this thing. What do you think makes Phantom Menace itself such an impactful addition to the Star Wars franchise? Um, well, this, this is my, this is my opinion. I have both been, I have both been involved in arguments and also told that this is like a totally non problematic opinion. Mm-hmm. But when I was 15, uh, it was my 15th birthday, the day that Phantom Menace came out. 
And I was like, it was awfully nice of George Lucas to make me a Star Wars movie. <laughs> it was, wasn't it? <laughs> um, but, but the thing was, in The Phantom Menace, Anakin is a side quest. And Padme is the protagonist. And so Ooh. I think, for me, that's why the movie has always resonated. You've got the politics. You've got this girl and all of her friends. Like, I also hadn't seen a lot of movies where a group of girls did stuff. Right. Um, so, like, you've got this movie with this this girl who's fantastic and all of her friends are fantastic and she's, you know, speaking in public and she's, you know, talking back to the Jedi and, like, uh, she's, you know, overthrowing a government kind of by accident and then, like, taking her own planet back with an act of, like, profound humility um, yeah. when she goes to Boss Nass. And um, just this idea that, like, that that's the movie I've always watched. And yeah. When she goes to Tatooine, um, she spends almost the entire time she's there, like, getting her foot out of her mouth. Mm -hmm. And she, she eats a lot of crow. She grows as a person. She manages to not, like, deeply insult anybody. And it's very, it's very much a change for her. Um, but it introduces Anakin, not, like, centers him in a very interesting way so I liked having that and Shmi for that matter it introduces Shmi Skywalker who I would argue is a bigger influence on Padme's mindset in The Phantom Menace than Anakin is until the end oh sure um, yeah and so the idea that like that was always the movie I watched um, and I think people have been like warming up to that read of it a little bit um, in the last few years, which has been nice, mm -hmm. but um, it's definitely always been one of my my favorites because it's got it's got everything I love: girls doing stuff, politics, lightsabers, and a car chase. Abs like a really long, expensive car chase full yeah. of like lasers and explosions. Yeah, you can't not love it. Plus, the Battle of Naboo is amazing. It's like a forefront <sighs> battle. I got to yeah. write fifth and sixth front in the book, which was a nightmare, but also fantastic. <laughs> um, and like, it's, it was just that whole battle sequence is amazing. There's yeah. like a ground battle and a space battle and a lightsaber fight and like all kinds of shenanigans. And the, and the, um, and the, the actual people taking the castle. Like, it's just, it's just amazing. Yeah. You get like all, all the wonderful climaxes at the end of Return of the Jedi, like at the end on this one beautiful planet with yeah. some of the best starship designs we've ever gotten, some of the best costumes we've ever seen. Yeah. Freaking it, love it. Uh, so speaking of that grandness of episode one, as we said earlier, Queen's Peril expands our point of view ourselves by giving us some insight into other characters um, as opposed to just the handmaidens like you wrote. Obi-Wan, you've got Palpatine in here. Personally, I, I think you write the best Palpatine in the canon. I'll say that <laughs> easily. Um, so I'm going to ask you, what was so much fun about going from, like, the pure goodness and connection of Padme and the Handmaidens to writing, like, the pure evil of Palpatine and Sidious when you change the names in there? Um, I think with, with Palpatine and Sidious, I, uh, from, like, a, from a structural point of view of the book, it was a way to build tension into the earlier parts because mm -hmm. every time we leave Naboo in the first half of the book you're kind of reminded that the Trade Federation is coming yeah um and so so, fr so from like a purely structural point of view Palpatine's function in this book is to remind you to be uncomfortable <laughs> um, oh, oh wait, he succeeds he's, yeah, <laughs> he's not fun and so no. when it comes to writing actually writing him um, switching back and forth between between Palpatine and Sidious, it was um, it was 
the, the thing that makes him such an effective bad guy is that he he just has no redeeming qualities at all. <laughs> like, right. Nothing. Right. There's nothing good about this man. No. He's not even a particularly snappy dresser. So, like... Um, <laughs> and, he's from, and he's from Naboo. Come on, make an effort, yeah, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, like, he he's just, he's just awful. Mm-hmm. And um, getting to sort of lean into that and to see how he dresses it up um, when he's Palpatine and to see his observations. Um, he has an observation of Coruscant that... Um, is actually uh, a reference to a Leonard Cohen song. And the Leonard Cohen song is, there's a crack in everything, that's how the light gets in. Um, And of course, Palpatine inverts that. He looks for the cracks in the light and then like exploits them. Yeah, that that very line may be one I wrote down to put in my review in a block quote. (laughs) Uh, It's it's a real good one. (laughs) It's one of my favorites. But like, I just, he just, he's just so good at twisting people. And I think if you, my hope anyway, I, I, I don't think Star Wars is a particularly good place to learn lessons because it's way too complicated and also it's taken in space. Yep. But if, <laughs> if you are reading, I hope anyway, that kids reading mm-hmm. um, Star Wars or experiencing the Star Wars story will, will recognize like what manipulation looks like mm-hmm. in fiction so that when they come across it in real life, they know who to punch. God, we can we can hope. Yeah. God, we can really hope. Um now, gosh, with the way you spoke about Palpatine there, then I then I gotta ask, was there any were there any other characters separate from the main cast that you knew you wanted in the book, but as you wrote them, you were almost surprised at how much you loved writing them? Um I was pleasantly relieved by how much I loved the Shmi scene. I love that scene so much. Oh my gosh. I ended up with I ended up with two of them. They were mm-hmm. great. The scene that surprised me. Um, and I think it was just that, like, it was just me having fun the entire time was the Yoda Mace Windu conversation, which like, I just, I was writing it. I was like, I am cracking myself up so hard through this. Like, I don't think anybody else is going to find it this funny. Um, but I find it deeply funny. There's a line about like, it was starting to remind them of a conversation with Master Qui-Gon and none of them really enjoyed those. And like, uh, like that kind of thing. Like it was just like these people, before everything was terrible for them, they used to have these really fascinating relationships and like these arguments for the sake of arguments, but not like bad things. It was just differences of opinion and philosophy and they weren't really equipped for like the bigger sort of more evilness of the galaxy. They were equipped for like, do you think prophecy is legit or not? Like, so uh, the idea that, that these people had, I mean, everything in Star Wars always comes back to tragedy. Right. But um, it was it was definitely like a, a scene that surprised me for how much fun I had writing it. Um, and then the other scene was uh, towards the end. I had missed Typho so badly writing this book. Yeah. He was so much Queen Shadow. I missed him so bad in Queen Feral. I had to give him a cameo. So he's got that little scene. It ends on a really mean line that I'm not at all sorry for. And uh, I, I just, I missed him so much. I was like, I gotta, I gotta find a way to put Typho in. Oh, and we're, we're so glad you did. He is one of those characters that he pops up and it's like, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I love him. Like I am, I am notorious on our show for being the number one cheerleader of our Lord and savior, Bill Organa. Uh, So I am obviously uh, missing him a bit from this book as opposed to Queen Shadow, but, but I'm glad you got to get Typho in there. 
now, the past few years uh, have really seen kind of an explosion of prequel content in the expanded universe with people like you and Claudia Gray writing like Padme, Qui-Gon, and Obi-Wan. We have Greg Rucka putting Sabe in a Darth Vader comic. And, oh my like, God, this- I'm I, 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 I might have screamed in my apartment. That's fine. We can admit things. Um, <laughs> but, like, what do you, what do you think in- inspires all the books and comics of the EU to expand this era specifically now? Um, well, frankly, (laughs) um, I mean, I was 15 and I had no money Mm -hmm. and now I'm 35 and I have some money. You make a great point. (laughs) So I can spend it. Actually, I just turned 36. I just turned 36 and now I can spend it on Star Wars stuff. So I think literally the fans have grown up is what has happened. Yeah. And the fans in the Clone Wars and the fans in the prequels who were, you know, kids when it started have become, like, the, the people who can afford to buy stuff. Um, also, um, I think there has been, in the last few years especially, um, a bit of a, an understanding, thank goodness, that, like, taking pot shots at the prequels doesn't make you look smart online anymore. Ugh, it's exhausting. Uh, yeah, it's exhausting. It's exhausting. So every time someone does it, I'm like, oh, good. You haven't had an original thought since 1999. Um, yeah. Oh, cool. You're so, neat. Yeah, yeah, no need it. So I, uh, I think that's another thing, too, is that, like, those people have, um, I mean, they're still here. But mm-hmm. the, people who, the people who love Star Wars also have Twitter accounts. So, um, I mean, which has a, it's, it's pluses and minuses, obviously, but I think people who love it are more public about it now and able to spend money on it. Um, and, and sort of, it's a cyclical thing, right? Like the, the fans are there. So the content's there. So the fans are there. So the content's there. And like, um, we, you know, people are already asking, like, is there going to be a third one? I'm like, I don't know. That's not up to me, guys. But if mm-hmm. you buy one, the people who count the money at Lucasfilm are going to be like, that E.K. Johnson is reliable. Like, who knows? <laughs> right. So um, then, like, there's, then there's no way to predict that. But, like, um, it's, it's definitely, like, the reason Queen's Peril exists is because people loved Queen's Shadow. Mm-hmm. And so we, we've been starting to see this sort of renaissance, and it's, it's been really nice for those of us who have been here the whole time right but also also for the also for the newbies <laughs> yeah who are who like don't they don't have to go through the motions of pretending to not like the prequels and they don't yeah. have to like you know that trial by fire like we can admit these are fun stories we can all press for more padme books and had maiden like funko lines and all these things <laughs> that we can hope we get in the next few years because we can acknowledge that it's actually fun and cool i love that yeah um, all right. Uh, one, one more thing before we let you go here. And again, I know this is a crazy press cycle for you. And, you know, the world's a bit nuts right now, I think we yeah. can admit. Uh, so we super appreciate it. Uh, as, as you go, uh, we always talk about Star Wars as being kind of about legacy to some extent. Um, everyone that touches it, whether it be a character, a writer, an actor, kind of leaves their mark on Star Wars. So what do you hope your legacy will be as a Star Wars creator? Um, oh, my goodness. I have no idea. <laughs> I, yeah, we leave the hardball at the end. <laughs> yeah, I think. God, I hope it's a good one. Um, I I think my legacy will be like Padme's dresses, frankly, like the wonderful, the sort of uh, the way that her wardrobe and makeup and all that kind of stuff, um, the 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 feminine aspects of her character, 
um, and the handmaidens in general and the sort of um, unapologetic teenage girlness of them. And to a lesser extent, Ahsoka. Um, yeah, Kaden, sure. Kaden, also, Kaden, Kaden also does a lot of teenage girl things in that book. Yeah. Um, and if Ahsoka knew how to be a teenage girl, she would also do teenage girl things. <laughs> um, she's learning. So yeah. it's, it's very much, I hope that's my, uh, my legacy, is the idea that like teenage girls have always been in Star Wars and the fans, fans and TV show side. Um, but uh, just the idea that now they're unapologetic about it. The ones who, you know, dress up as Han, the one who's the ones who dress up as Padme, the ones who dress up as both, the ones who don't mm-hmm. dress up at all because costuming is hard. Like yes, that on. kind of stuff. So um I, I think it's kind of I hope I hope I have opened doors. That's my I hope that's my legacy. That I have opened doors in the Star Wars fandom and made people feel comfortable there. Well for my part, uh, for what I've seen, that is already definitely true. I can speak for at least our community. People of all ages have been seeing Padme differently, have been reading stories they never would have read otherwise because of your work. So thank you for expanding that. And if, uh, as Lucasfilm's listening, as I'm sure you are, uh, we would <laughs> love more of these uh, Padme books. Uh, or hey, if, if Sabe and Bill are going to need to go on a big Fulcrum mission together, I won't say no. I don't know. I'm just going to put that out there, too. Um, but uh right before we let you go and and enjoy the rest of this crazy media blitz weekend where can everyone find you on the good old internet uh so i am on twitter at ek underscore johnston uh which is also my handle on instagram um if you check out twitter it will have my uh virtual tour for queen's peril Mm -hmm. uh pinned for the next couple weeks on Tumblr, so uh, Instagram and, and Twitter is where I do most of my business stuff. Tumblr, where I am, E.K. Johnston with no underscore, is mostly just me reblogging things that make me happy. That sounds so good right now. In this world, that sounds great. You got to have a balance of both for sure. Yeah. All right. Excellent. And yes, everyone, uh, there is a virtual book tour going on for Queen's Peril. Head over there. Check out these events. And again, if you haven't bought the book already, make sure you get the book. We're going to be talking about it here on Utini a bunch. We have Padme shirts up in our store. Check those out and keep your eyes open for everything E.K. Johnson is going to do in the future. I'm sure it is a long history yet to be written. Thank you so much for coming on The Living Forest. We really appreciate it. Thank you. hatred there is joy there is no division there is union there is no apathy there is passion there is no gatekeeping there is community this is the utini star wars fan code embrace it live by it and above all trust in the living force that's all for this week join our community and surround yourself with like-minded fans by visiting us online at utini.com until next time May the Force be with you.